This morning, if you don't have a Bible and need a Bible, we want to make sure you have Bibles. You can either find one in your pew or on the table on the side of the back. You'll find a Bible like this. If you don't have a Bible, don't own one. You can go and grab one of these. They're great Bibles. Um, I would preach out of these. They're that good. In fact, every night the kids uh, with Katie and I read out of these Bibles um, before bed. They're just they're just great Bibles. So if you don't have one, grab one of those. It's yours to keep. Write your name in it. We want everybody to have the word of God who needs one. We're going to be in Acts chapter four today. So if you have a Bible, you can stick your thumb right there. You know, the other day I was uh, needing to go get just a jug of milk. So I, I ran to the Four Oaks Carly C's IGA grocery and I'm standing in line. I've got my jug of milk and uh, the lady in front of me and the cashier are chit chatting. And so I'm, I'm kind of listening in and uh, they get done with the transaction. And the cashier says to the customer, to this lady, she says, uh, have a happy Easter. And the woman who's buying her groceries got kind of huffy. And she said, well, it's all about Jesus and his death on a cross that he paid for my sins. And so it's not all about these Easter eggs and bunnies. And she grabbed up her groceries and she left. And I thought, I thought, I agree with that and I don't. Uh, there was a lot that I didn't agree with right there that happened. Um, but what was interesting was we we go and go and go on about the death of Jesus. And the death of Jesus was extremely critical all throughout the scriptures as a result of one man and one woman's sin and sin entering into all of us. God had this plan whereby he would be, bring a sacrificial lamb. His own son, Jesus. That he would die as that sacrifice, a substitution. He died in place of you and me. He who knew no sin became sin. And he was nailed, his hands and his feet. He had a crown of thorns on his head. He had a spear shoved up his side and he bled out and died. And as we uh, had reflected for us, at our dark night service on Thursday, as we just reflected that with with all the blood that was coming from Jesus, what was coming there was a, a stream of blood to wash you and me that over us would be this this offering that paid for your sin and my sin. The death of Jesus is extremely critical. For you and I to have an everlasting life for you and I to be righteous before God. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, friends, you and I would not be righteous. Unless we call upon that blood to wash and cleanse our sins, unless God do something in our heart to remove a heart of stone and give us a living heart, as the book of Ezekiel says, then we're not saved. And so I don't want to minimize in any way what that woman said when she said, it's all about the death of Jesus Christ through which he saved me of my sins. That was that was right. And it's not all about bunnies and eggs. That is right. But it also stops short. Because Jesus had followers who stood there and they they had come through the Jewish ceremonies and all the holidays and they'd they'd had all this picture of blood and sacrifice. And they they stood there and they witnessed Jesus on that cross bleeding out from him. He even said on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They had heard of forgiveness. 
But the scripture says after the death of Jesus, they huddled like cowards locked up in a room. Wondering what was going on. And it wasn't until there were some women who came running back from the tomb with this crazy story that it was empty. That they had seen an angel. And in fact, they had seen Jesus himself. And they said, he's alive. He's risen. He's told you he's going to go meet you in Galilee. You got to go see him. He's alive. And they're like, what? A couple of them got up from that place and they ran to the tomb. Peter and John, they go inside and they see there are the burial cloths. The head cloth was folded up right there. And Peter wondered what just had happened. What was going on? And so Jesus made a point later on that day to stand in front of his disciples, to show himself in bodily form. To let them see that he wasn't just a ghost. He, in fact, was dead and he had died for their forgiveness of sins. But now he was resurrected. You and I have never seen that before. Somebody come back to life. They hadn't either. It's a miracle. It's more miraculous than all the men who wore ties today at Unity Church. That that's a near miracle. You guys look sharp and I commend you today. It's it's amazing. But this goes above and beyond. The women came back, said he was alive. Then the the disciples are like, now we're we're seeing him. Even Thomas, eight days later, he said, unless I see those nails and, and the prints in his hand and I put my finger there and my hand into his side, I'm not going to believe. And suddenly, boom, Jesus is there. He says, go ahead. Put your finger in the wounds. Put your hand up my side. I'm alive. Peter says, my Lord and my God. And Jesus says, you believe because you've seen. Blessed are them who haven't seen, but trust this. I'm alive. They believe that I not only died, but now I'm resurrected. And that story needs to go out. And so he went to his disciples and this was what he told them. I'm going to send you out with this good news that I not only died for sins, but I have resurrected and I'm going to bring a resurrection back for people. I'm going to call them from their graves. And that is going to be the kingdom of God, that living people will live with me forever. That's the message I want you to take. And so the woman said to the grocery clerk, Jesus died for my sins. That's what it's all about. She was wrong. And so as I bought my milk, I made sure to tell that grocery clerk, happy Easter. It's a death and a resurrection. It's an assuredness that Jesus did that so that on the day of his return, you can be sure that he'll call your name into a resurrection. That story is phenomenal. It's so outrageous and it's so almost beyond belief that as people went and told that story in the early church, people didn't want to believe it. But unless we know and believe that and have that, then we really don't have the freedom that God's allowed us to have because it all has to do with resurrection. So we are in Acts chapter four. Here are these disciples. They've witnessed Jesus' death, his resurrection, and now he is sending them with this good news. He has filled them now with his Holy Spirit. They've been baptized by and filled by him. And now they're going out with this message. And as they have now healed a beggar through the name of Jesus and preached Jesus to all the Jews who have come around, you would think that everybody's like, wow, what resurrection? Tell us more. And in fact, up to 5,000 people by this time are beginning to believe in Jesus. But in chapter 4, there were some people who didn't like it. It says in Acts chapter 4, verse 1, And as they were speaking to the people, the priests and the captain of the temple and the Sadducees came upon them, 
greatly annoyed because they were teaching the people and proclaiming in Jesus what? The resurrection of the dead. Why were they annoyed? Because they tried to stamp out Jesus. They did everything they could. In fact, they gave him over to the most talented executioners of their day, the Romans. They were experts in killing people. They had Jesus expertly crucified and they witnessed his death. And now what? They've made up some story about a resurrection? Man, that's annoying. We tried to get rid of this guy. And now they're saying he's alive forevermore. But it was growing. And the Jews were jealous and it was robbing them of the power that they had over the people to pay money and and do all the things they wanted religiously. And now these chief priests and the Sadducees, they're all annoyed because they keep preaching and proclaiming the resurrection of Jesus. It wasn't, hey, they wouldn't have cared if they had just said, hey, we've got some good stories about an old teacher who sat on a hill preaching sermons. They wouldn't have cared as much if they had stories about, you know what? He went fishing. They caught a lot of fish. He, he happened to walk on the lake. No, what made them upset was now there was a viral message that was going out about Jesus and his resurrection and what that could do for your life. And people were coming. People wanted to know it was powerful and it was being empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so now they're upset. And it says in verse three, and so they arrested them. And put them in custody until the next day, for it was already evening. But many of those who had heard the word believed. And the number of the men came to about 5,000. So if they're counting 5,000 men, you got to put on top of that all the women and children who have come around and heard this message. And it's just mushrooming. It's just growing because now the power of God and this great gospel message is going forth. And people, not by what they have been having to do themselves, but what Jesus did on the cross for them is saving them. It's changing their hearts and they're saying. I believe that. Yes, yes to that. I want that. But oh man, it makes the authorities mad. So what they do, they bring Peter and John in and they're arrested and they have this trial right there. And they're like, what are you doing? They say, we just we're preaching about Jesus. We can't stop. You've got to judge for yourselves what you've got to do. But for us, we can do nothing but continue to speak about Jesus. And so the authorities are mad. They're, oh man, they're so mad. And they say this, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. They rough them up a little bit and let them go. And it says that as they come back, the church had been praying and the church had been praying. And and, and as they come back, they give this, this great thanksgiving to God. It says, you are the, Almighty, you've created everything. Here's what your plan was, that Jesus would come and at the hands of Pilate and all the Jews, he was killed. But that was what you had intended to do. And now you have risen him from the dead. And it says now that that's happened, you've allowed healing to go out, signs and wonders so that people could know that this is the truth. It says, wait, when they get done saying that prayer, that the place was shaken, there was an earthquake in that place, and they're all filled with the Holy Spirit. So, so, so why do I bring this all up? It's important because what we find in the early church was, as Jesus died and resurrected, he resurrected on a Sunday, and what we find in the early church is, they didn't look at their watches, one, they didn't have watches, but they didn't look at their, their time calendar and say, you know what? Today's April 1st, Let's wait till next year, April 1st, and we'll celebrate the resurrection again. That's not what they did, did they? What did they do? 
if there has been a resurrection, yes, there's a celebration on Easter Sunday and we're for sure going to celebrate it next year. But I, I can't wait till next year. I got to celebrate it tomorrow. In fact, I'm not even waiting till tomorrow. We must celebrate the resurrection here now today. The resurrection has relevance not only for next year's celebration and not only in the future when Jesus comes back. The resurrection has something to do with your life today. And so as the blood of Jesus has washed over us, he has also said that by the resurrection of Jesus, and this comes out of Romans chapter 8. He says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Did you hear what that said earlier in chapter seven of Romans? Paul says this. now Paul was better than all of us put together at doing the right things. And even then he, he felt guilty. And he had tried to do even it says in, in chapter seven, the things that I try not to do, I just keep doing and the things I should do. I don't do. And he finally comes to the end of that. He says, wretched man that I am, who will save me? From this life. Thanks to be to God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on to this and says, now it's not just for that. It's not just that God looks at you and says, you're justified. What happens on a daily basis as a result of this fact that now the spirit lives in you, that you are to be listening to the spirit, that you're to be alive and free in the spirit all the time. I have a hunch that a lot of us get burned down every day being Christians. Not because of what Jesus said and not because of what the Bible says, but as a result of you at one point, maybe coming down to an altar or sitting in a seat and saying, Lord, please come into my heart and save me from my sins. And you, you recognized you were clean. You were made white as snow in your position before God. But what happened the next day? Oh, crud, I sinned. And then what happened the next day? Oh, man, I messed up again. And then the next day. And then the next day, what happens? And you, you begin to feel guilty. Why? Because you weren't able to be good enough for God. But the reality is that's not what God has called you to. You're going to tire yourself out. You will, you will die trying to be good enough in yourself to be holy before God. You know how you're holy before God? The scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that Jesus is your holiness. He is your righteousness. And now he's given your, his spirit to dwell in you that you and your mortal life, uh, body might be alive in Christ. And what's great about that is we don't have to wait till next Easter to celebrate it. You get to celebrate it today. There was an old Catholic monk who became a priest. His name was Martin Luther. Martin Luther, even though he was serving his congregation, even though he was doing all the things that at that time the Catholic Church told him to do. He was, he was being eaten up inside by the fact that he couldn't be good enough. There was just this, uh, this guilt that kept following him. Until one day when he was reading out of Romans chapter 1, and it says, the righteous shall live by faith. And he was like, by faith. 
He had been trying so hard every day to do whatever it would be to make God happy and, and pleased. And what you realize is it's nothing that I do for myself. It's everything Jesus did for me. By faith just means I believe it. And he says at that moment that, bam, the Holy Spirit changed him. And by faith, he believed and righteousness was given to him. Jesus was given to him and he was alive and there become this resurrection. And what was great about Martin Luther is he pressed that into the church saying, what have we been doing? We've been trying to do, 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 do. Instead of live, 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 live. One of the things that he said I want to read for you is this. Here is the truly Christian life. When a man applies himself with joy and love to serving others voluntarily and for nothing, doing only what is helpful, advantageous and wholesome for our neighbor, since by faith we already abound in all good things in Christ. I want to read that again. Here is the truly Christian life. When a man applies himself with joy and love to serving others, Others voluntarily and for nothing, doing only what is helpful, advantageous and wholesome for our neighbor, since by faith we already abound in all good things in Christ. What that means is this, and we see this in the early church, and this is where we're coming to today. Martin Luther says, hey, if if I don't have to worry about myself anymore, if I know that God has already saved me, the spirit is living in me then I can use all my energy. I can use all that I am to live in love towards God, but also towards my neighbor. I can spend all my time not trying to figure out myself so much and how God's going to be pleased and how righteous I can be. I can love others. I can take all that and try to get this message out and to love others. What's that look like on a daily basis? Going back to the early church, Acts chapter 4, this is what it looked like. This is on a daily basis. Not wait until next year's Easter, on a daily basis what the early church looked like because the resurrection so revolutionized their daily life. It says in verse 32, now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own, but they had everything in common. And with great power, the apostles were giving their testimony to the what? To the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. And there was not a needy person among them For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to each as any had need. The resurrection was so alive. They They had so said that, yeah, wretched man that I am, thanks be to God, to Jesus Christ. But now his spirit is alive in us. There's a resurrection we lived through that resurrection and it changed the whole community where they said, you know what? This this stuff that I have. I'm not living for that anymore. I'm not living to try to amount to something. I'm not living to try to achieve anybody else's idea for my life or or anything. I'm I'm just free. And what am I free to do? I'm free to live for for you. And I'm leave. I'm free to live for you guys and I'm, I'm free to love you. I'm free to take whatever's mine and say, I will put it on the line because for the sake of the gospel, we are going to look like Jesus. Let's be an alive community and not wait till next Easter to look alive again. 
We're going to look alive today. And they were so drastic about it. Did you see what they did? They said that the full number of them had this same mind about them, that none of them considered whatever they owned to be their own. I don't know about you, but I do a lot of fencing off with my stuff. This is my this is my bank account. These, these are my Easter eggs. I mean, I'll take it down to such a small level as that. I was getting upset this morning where the kids were giving up Easter eggs. And I was like, I got to have some of that. Fortunately, they're good and they share. This said they went so far that they took their own lands and they said, this is no longer mine. I'm, I'm putting it forth for the sake of the church. And they they sold and gave up their land. And they brought the proceeds and they laid it at the apostles feet and said, just take this and help whoever's in need. Help If they need to eat, help them eat. If they need clothing, help them be clothed. This is all Jesus and his resurrection. It sprung out of the early church on a daily basis. Why? Because Easter wasn't just a day. It was a reality. Jesus died for sins and he saved from sins and then he placed us to live freely in life every day. Are you living today? Is today the only day you live because it's Easter? It's a great day. It's a great day to celebrate. We'll go home. Many of us will have ham, pork, bacon, all things from a pig. Do you know that the Jews didn't used to eat that? I asked my mom this week, I said, don't you think it's interesting? That for Easter, we eat ham, it's become such a tradition. When this all springs from a Jewish holiday. Isn't that interesting, mom? She said, well, I think it's because. Christians have come to know that in Christ, there's freedom. It's not living by rules to make God happy anymore. Jesus made God happy for us. And now we get to live. We get to go eat ham today. We, but is today the only day you're alive? Because it's Easter. And if you're in Christ, it's every day. It's every day given. Everything's given for him for the opportunity not to try to be working something off. But in everything you're doing, you've been made so alive and free. You are working to tell others about Jesus. And it's easy for us to say, I'm going to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, mind and strength. But the second command is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. So the freedom that God gives you is not to keep working for yourself, but to keep spreading the good news of the gospel of Jesus. Even if you're arrested and the authorities are mad and you get kicked in the teeth and you die for his name. The resurrection is worth it. It's an everyday thing. The other day I was talking to Elijah, my son, and. We had just got done with our Thursday service. And there's something about our good Thursday service that it's become my favorite service. And, um, and, and so I said to Elijah, man, I just I love that. It's my favorite service. And Elijah said, well, well, what about Easter? And I don't know where it came from, but immediately out of my mouth was, well, we celebrate Easter every day. Isn't that the truth? Is that your life? Is that the truth? Do you get to live in freedom? If you don't know the freedom of Christ, if you don't know it on a daily basis, I want to invite you to that today. What does it look like for you to live in freedom every day? And if you're ready to get rid of some stress, how much of that stress is coming because you don't feel you're good enough for God? How much of that stress is because you don't feel good enough for what your mom's godly expectations are of you? How many of you don't feel the freedom of God because because of. You don't feel like you know enough. You don't feel like you've done enough. 
Jesus did enough for you. And he knows enough. We should do what God wants us to. We should keep learning about God. But are you free to do that? Or do you feel like you're a slave to doing that? Live Easter every day. What's that going to look like in our church? We have a community of people saying, you know what? Nothing's my own. Everything is on the line for Jesus. Whatever he wants me to do, I'm, let's just put it on the line for the good news of Jesus Christ getting out. What would happen in our community? I think we know. We saw it in the book of Acts. It exploded. And there was nothing anybody could do about it. As a result of that, you know what happened? You're sitting here today hearing about Jesus. Think about generations to come. As a result of you living free in the resurrection of Jesus Christ today, there may be people down the line and a big crowd of people who come to know Jesus because of you having the Spirit of God dwell in you and you living a free life and you sharing that joyful message with somebody that could just light like a wildfire. But are you living today? It does all start with coming to an acknowledgement of Jesus having been crushed for your sin. If you've never said, Lord, please save me, that's, that's what he's asked for is you just to believe, Lord, I believe you did everything necessary to save me. And so, Lord, save me. Call upon his name today and say, Lord, save me. But the proof that that's happened in your life, and if today you're saying, I don't know if I've got that proof, it's going to look like that early church. It's going to look like freedom. It's going to look like the spirit alive in you. Easter every day, friend. Easter every day. Tomorrow, I hope when we all go to the grocery store and the, the, the clerk says, hey, how are you doing today? We would say, happy Easter. It's resurrection every day. You living that today? Will you live it tomorrow? I'm going to take a moment to pray, and then after that, we're going to sing. And if you just need that, those, those few moments before the Lord just to say, Lord, would you take my heart and make it alive? Help me remember what freedom is like then ask the Lord for that freedom today. Freedom from your sin. Freedom from the pressure of religiousness. Freedom from having to earn his love. Just say, Lord, come and live in me today. Would you live in me today? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the plan that you orchestrated to send Jesus and that you accomplished it in Jesus. And that by his blood, we truly are saved from our sins. Should we call upon your name? And so we do call upon you and we ask you. To pardon us from our sins, according to the blood of Jesus and the work that he did on the cross. Not by anything that we have done, but only by faith. Only the good gift that comes from you. And in addition, Father, we pray that you would help us to remember the resurrection, the very thing that the apostles couldn't stop talking about, the very thing that caused the church <coughs> to live in such a selfless way, in a loving way, in a way that revolutionized the world. Lord, in, in this building right here today and in my heart right here today, Lord, I pray that you would bring us back to the reality of the resurrection 
being alive by your Holy Spirit and living in freedom, free to love, free to help, free to pursue others in difficult conversations, free, Lord, to obey you, not out of guilt, but out of joyful service, free, Lord, to to extend our hands to people who don't look like us, who don't sound like us, who, who maybe annoy us. But Lord, you've called us to go and give this message. Help us to be a people alive today. And so Lord, today we give ourselves to you yet again, asking that you would continue to change our hearts to live in that freedom that you've given. We thank you in the good name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.